Good morning, everyone. I'm so happy to be up here and see all your beautiful faces, and we're just so glad you're here with us today. If you're visiting with us, welcome to New Hope. Welcome to the family. We're so glad that you're here. We have several announcements this morning, so get ready if you have your notes or your bulletin to take more notes. One correction in the bulletin, it says that the senior adult banquet starts at 4.30, but on the inside it is correct, it starts at 5.30. But if you're here at 4.30, come join us for the hour of prayer that we're having again this week. We are so thankful for everyone who came last week and, and what the Lord is already starting to do through that prayer ministry, that prayer time. So please join us of all ages, come and pray with us at 4.30 today in the sanctuary. And then following that is the Senior Adult Banquet at 5.30, and, you know, dress in your 50s style if you would like. It's going to be a great time. The ACT teens have worked so hard. Um, one announcement. So next week, if you've noticed the banner and the things that we've been putting out, is Easter and Earl. It is the big family community fun day, and that begins our Easter and Earl week. So the cookie sign-up sheet for next week's meal is outside this door. So please sign up to make cookies and put them just like normal, two in each bag for us to hand out. Um, and next week, please come 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock and help us out in serving the community and volunteering so that we can show people the love of Jesus, so that we can be there to show parents and kids and family members who he is through what we do for them, sitting with them at the meal or helping the kids with the Easter egg hunt. And there's so many ways you can serve next week. So please join us in that awesome day of serving. We have a special announcement this morning from a couple of our youth. We have a group called Life 180 that I have mentioned before that started the beginning of the school year. It started out, we had 15 excited youth that signed up to do it and as they signed up I said this is hard and if you can't get through it if you can't make it it's okay but they had a challenge and these youth that are still in it their names are in the bulletin we have Madeline Winona and my son Aiden who couldn't be here they are going to tell you about their year in Life 180 and we're going to start with Aiden who made a video since he couldn't be here this morning During the past 32 weeks of Life 180, we have had to read the Bible for at least 20 minutes a day, and because of this, I have read almost every single book of the Bible at least once, and some of them two or three times. I have noticed a big effect on my day, in my day-to-day -day life between my actions and my mood, just all around can tell a difference, and it's been really great, and I cannot wait to do it again next year. In Life 180, we had to do at least one timed prayer a day. During this prayer time, I was able to focus on God and what he was doing in my life. As this became a routine in my life, I noticed I was calmer afterwards. It brought me a joy I didn't know I was missing. Um, we also had to have a life and a health goal. Um, our health goal, we had to choose something about our health that would just overall improve our health. And same with the life goal. Um, some of the things that I did, I drank more water every day. Um, I had a planner that I would do to like organize my life a little bit. And then I also cut out um, some sweets that I was eating and stuff. And doing this really helped me to remember that my body is a temple of God and that I should take care of it <laughs> the way that I should. Um, and it also helped me with the life goal mostly to have a cleaner and more organized space and life. And that caused me to have more motivation to actually read my Bible and pray and just have a better relationship with God. I'm so proud of them. This was a 32 week commitment that they have made and they have one more week left. 32 weeks where five days a week they were required to log in a book their prayer time, their Bible reading, not Bible studies, but Bible reading, and their life and health goal. We met, they had to do 90% complete if they were going to pass the course, and they had to meet each week for accountability with me. And I could cry because I'm so proud of them. I am crying, so it's fine. <laughs> um, 
It has been a blessing to see what God can do in your life when you commit and you're disciplined. And I'm just really proud of everyone who started because they all wanted to. And some lasted a little longer, but these three have fought off the temptation to just quit. And they have dedicated all of this time to God. And I'm just thankful for them and proud. So we're announcing this to tell you about this organization that we're in now. And also in the bulletin, it talks about their trip. At the very beginning of this, let's think about life. In heaven, we have heaven to look forward to, right? But the gift of God is life now. Eternal life starts when you follow Jesus. We know that heaven is to come, but the hard part is life, right? So that is how this was presented. They were told day one that if they complete this, that they will get to go to the beach for a free weekend. That was their heaven. But they had to go through 32 weeks of this commitment. And so it's time. And if you would like to support these young people on the beach weekend that we have planned for April 21st, 22nd, 23rd, we would greatly accept any donations if you would like to do this. Um, If you would just mark your envelope, Life 180. And I can't wait for next year as well, like Aiden said. So let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Heavenly Father, whom we adore, you give us life. You give us everything we need and so much more. Having your scripture, having the Bible at our fingertips whenever we need it and want it is incredible. It's a blessing that for thousands of years people did not have. I thank you for scriptures. I thank you for the time that we choose to be in scripture and what you do in our lives for that. I pray over the time of reading scripture this morning with Pastor Russ that you will intervene in that so that we feel your presence even more and you guide us through the words that you guide us through the message as you already know what each one of us needs. Let us choose to open up our ears and our hearts and focus on you and not everything else going on. I get so busy. God, you know my personality and, and how I have to allot time every day for you. And I just pray that, that we all find that time like the youth did in Life 180, that we commit to you every day. That it's not something we do when we feel like it, but it's something that we do because you are God. You are the forgiver. You are eternal life. And I just pray that that sinks in with us today, that we, that we, that we start today and every day we just choose you. We choose to follow you no matter what surroundings are going on around us, no matter what people are around us saying things, no matter what our schedule is, that you are priority. We adore you, we love you, and I pray this in your holy name, God. Amen.
Amen. The trumpet is about to sound, that's for sure. And God's about to say, Jesus, go get my children. Amen. Are you ready? Are you ready for that day? Are you ready for that moment? Because it's coming. It's coming soon. But are we ready? That's the question. That's what we're going to be asking ourselves today. There is a handout, uh, like last week. There's some at the front and at the table back here. If you didn't get one beforehand, pick, one, pick up one afterwards. Um, but we're going to be talking about being ready today and getting ready to meet Jesus, to meet Him in the air, to meet Him in death, however it's going to be uh, for you and for me. Uh, but we're all going to meet Him. We're all going to stand account for Him. So are we ready? We get ready for everything. Y'all got up this morning. I got up this morning and got ready for church, didn't we? we we're going we're gonna to get up and get ready for work and school tomorrow. We're going to get ready for tests and, and doctor's appointments this week. We're going to get ready for the weekend. We're going to get ready for Easter. We're going to get ready for summer vacation. We make plans. We get ready for retirement, don't we? We get ready for everything, but the question is, are we ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready? You see, God is getting this world ready. He's, he's preparing it just the way He wants it and just the right time when He sends Jesus back to pick up His children. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13 primarily today. But before we get there, I want to, if you will, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to look at that just for a moment because that leads us up to Matthew 25. We see in that passage where it's talking about the signs of the, the end of the age. That passage I, I quoted before uh, the prayer came from uh, chapter 24, verse 30 and following. But listen to God's holy word and see if you agree that the timing has got to be about right. It's got to be about right. It's got to be about the time for God to say, Jesus, go get my children. Time is at hand, folks. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 12 through 14, it says, Because of the increase of wickedness. Folks, there's chaos and lawlessness. It's on the rise everywhere, isn't it? It's, on, it's everywhere. It's getting worse and worse. It said, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Folks, that's important that we stay strong to the end, that we stay faithful to the end, that we're not a flash in the pan, that we work and serve Christ and, and worship Christ for a period of time and then drop off and leave the church and leave the, the relationship with Christ and other believers, but to stay faithful to the end. It says those who stand firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be pre preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Folks, technology the way that we have today, the technology we have today makes it possible for every person in every place of the world to hear, to see, to read, and to get the gospel. Folks, it's getting close. You drop on down in Matthew 24 to verse 36 through 39. And it says, but about the day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Remember what it was like in the days of Noah as recorded in, in God's Word? He gives a brief statement there in verse 38. It says, For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. You see, they were living life as normal. They were, everything was just happy-go-lucky, no concern about God, no concern about, the, the God's, uh, about a relationship with God or anything. They had no idea that the flood was coming. But, but we'll see in just a minute, God was so disappointed with mankind. Their, their, their focus was on themselves and not anything else. Hold your place there in, in Matthew 24 and, and flip over to Genesis chapter 6. We see that 
uh, in Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, uh, it lays out in more detail about what was going on in the days of Noah before the flood. In Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, it says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that He even made human beings on the earth, and His heart was deeply troubled. And so the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created. What a sad commentary to think that, that we so disappointed God that He was willing to, to get rid of His entire creation. The Lord regretted that He had made human beings on the earth, and His heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I've made them. And then drop down a few verses to verse 11 and 12. It says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. And God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. Folks, I don't know how bad it was back then, but that sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? Crime, chaos, corruption is rampant. Immorality is unprecedented. Transgenderism and sexual sex changes, even for, for kids, in fact, a biological man was named the USA Today's Woman of the Year. How absurd can we get? Evil, immorality, satanic worship flows from every TV set. Christian persecution is on the rise every year. There's intentional food and medicine shortage, uncommon events in nature. We had a string of tornadoes just this weekend. Earthquakes in magnitudes, uh, clusters of earthquakes, record amounts of snow and rain and drought, a rare solar eruption just uh, last Sunday afternoon. Folks, God is trying to get our attention. He's trying to put the signs there so that we know that He's ready, that He's preparing the time, and are we preparing our hearts for that moment that He's going to return? If we go back to Matthew 24, verses 42 and 44, if you think about everything that's going on and think about the shape of the world that we're in today, it says, therefore, keep watch. Keep watch, because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. But you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect Him. Folks, we're getting closer and closer to that day. God is bringing the world to just the right place, just where He wants it before He says to His Son Jesus, go back and get my children. Go back and get those that are faithful. Go back that I know. Go back and get those who, are, who love me and are faithful. What else is going on in our world? Just last year, the, there's a One World Religion headquarter open in Abu Dhabi between the Pope and, and the Catholic religion and Muslim called Chrislam. We're quickly moving toward a One World government. That's the primary focus of the World Economic Forum. Global issues and globalism is, is on the rise. Russia and Ukraine, Russia and, and China. China and Taiwan, Israel and, 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 and Iran, the ongoing threat in the Middle East and the, the threat of nuclear attacks. It wasn't until 2020 and the pandemic that the world collectively marched to the same drummer under the pandemic guidelines. We'll soon have one world currency. It's going to prepare the way for and be the foundation for the mark of the beast. The Federal Reserve has implemented the FedNow payment system. 
The central, uh, uh, central bank digital currency has been implemented in China, India, Africa, Europe, and the U.S. now with its own Fed coin. 114 countries and 95% of the economy is exploring central bank digital currency. Steve Forbes calls it a, a formula for tyranny where there'll be total and complete financial tracking of everyone and everything. Now listen to 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. I think after hearing these passages, you'll agree that we've got to be living in the last days. The Bible says that, it, that Jesus will come quickly and without warning. He'll be like the bridegroom coming for His bride. And so we need to be ready at a moment's notice. It could, be ha it could happen before we leave here this morning. It may be 100 years from now. It may be 10 years. But the fact is, God calls us to be ready whenever that time comes. Because once He comes, once He arrives, it will be too late to make a decision. It will be too late to be prepared. It will be too late to get ready. Everyone in this room will be counted. As a song said, those that know Christ and those that don't know Christ. And so are you ready? That's the teaching in the parable of the ten virgins in, chapter, in Matthew chapter 25. If you will, turn with me. Continue on in verse 20, chapter 24 to chapter 25. And we see there that there's a, there's a great volume of symbolism in this passage. And so I want you to follow along close, closely as we, as we go through that. But if you think about marriage, it's the most intimate of all human relationships. And it's in this passage that the parable symbolizes Jesus and the church to the marriage and a marriage relationship. Where Jesus is the bridegroom, the, the greater church is the bride, and we are the wedding party. And the oil reference there is the Holy Spirit. And so with that in mind, follow along as we read Matthew 25. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both of us. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on the way to buy more oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went with him in the, into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. One thing's different in the weddings of this setting versus the weddings of, of today. The, the weddings of today are all about the bride, aren't they? Uh, but here we see it's all focused on the bridegroom. Uh, it, it's all about the groom. And so let's take a few minutes to, 
and look at what the Jewish tradition is for the Jewish wedding. When we do, I want us to see the, the connected symbolism between Jesus and this parable and the, the Passover and then Jesus talking about His return and how they're all connected together. But that Jewish wedding uh, is it's like a 12-step process or, or 12 uh, sections that they go through. Of course, the one is, is choosing the bride. Now, in the day, the bride was, it was an arranged marriage, but, but the groom still gave the final approval. And then you, number two, you had the, dow, the dowry, which the, uh, the groom would pay the, the father of the bride uh, in, in taking her away. She may have been a work hand or uh, just to pay him for the bride. And then came the, the engagement period. Number three, the, ketub, the uh, ketubah. And this is a more serious than what our engagement is. This was a legally binding contract that was sealed in blood. Um, it, it lasted for a year uh, because the groom wanted to make sure that the, that the bride was pure, that she was not pregnant, uh, that she was a virgin. And so that engagement period went on uh, for a period of one year. Then you have the bride. She, of course, gives her consent. She, even, again, even though it's uh, arranged and the groom, gives, the groom gives approval, the bride gives consent as well. And so watch the symbolism. It kind of starts at this, at this point in the, in the process. Because if you think about the bride giving her, her consent to go with the groom, God gives us an invitation to join Him. And we must agree to go with Him. And then there's the cup of the covenant. You see, when the bride would agree to, to go with the groom or to be married to the groom, the bride would give her, her consent by taking a cup of wine offered by her bridegroom. And see the symbolism with the Lord's Supper. In Luke chapter 22, verse 20, it says, in the same way after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And so we often think that that is originated with Jesus, but it's actually an old Jewish custom that the, that the disciples would have been very familiar with. When they, when they heard Jesus say that, it would have registered with them about a, 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 a groom coming to get his bride, a, a groom going back to, to prepare a place. And so all this is going on through the disciples' head. The bridegroom would, would offer that glass of, of wine to the future wife and say, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. And if the bride accepts the proposal, she would take the drink and, and drink of it. And so think of the Passover again. And when Jesus held up His cup, he was saying to his disciples and he was saying to us, will you be my bride? Will you come with me? Will you follow me? Will you be the bride of my life? When she takes that cup, she accepts the invitation to go with him. And then the future groom would offer a gift to the bride probably where our, our, our tradition of offering an engagement ring to the, bride, to the bride. Then you have the mikvah. This was a period of time where the bride ritual, uh, ritualistically bathes uh, for a period of time. And it's a symbolism of a changed status in her life, going from uh, being single to married, leaving her family to a new family, leaving her parents and joining uh, the groom. And so we see that symbolism in our baptism as well. Going in with the old and coming out with the new. Being spiritually purified. And then step eight is the departure of the groom. After all this takes place, he goes back. Okay, he leaves the bride, the bridegroom and all, and goes back to his house. 
once that covenant is sealed. He goes back, he's, he's living with his father, he goes and meets his bride, all the ceremony stuff is done, then he goes back to his father's house. And he goes back to his father's house to, to uh, maybe uh, there's an extra room at the house, uh, like at my house where my kids moved in with me, okay? The groom would go back to his father's house and get, the, get one of those rooms ready for them to move into. Or maybe if he wasn't going to do that, if he was going to go and, and build a house for he and his bride to live in, he would go and, and be gone and, and doing that. And so there was really no set period of time for him to be gone. If it was just redoing of a, of a room, of course that wouldn't take too long. But of course to build a house, it would take much longer. And so nobody knew for sure. But all the while, the bride and the bridal party was to be ready for his return. Listen to the similarity found in John 14, verse 2 and 3. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going, to prepare, going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You see the symbolism there? And so again, when Jesus is telling His disciples this, again, he's, he, he knows He's fixing to leave. He knows He's going to be crucified. And He tells the disciples here, Take heart, let not your heart be troubled. In my Father's house are many rooms. And so when the disciples hear this, again, they, they know the Jewish tradition. They know that the groom goes back and prepares his father's house. And this is what, he's, this is what Jesus is doing. He's going back and to prepare a place for his bride, for us, to come and live with him. All the while, the bride is waiting. Waiting on his return. This is where we are in this parable. As a bridal party waits, the others begin, might begin questioning, where's, where's your groom? He's been gone for a long time. Has he, he's not come. Is he coming back? Is he, has he gone to the market and found somebody else? Is he going to leave you hanging? or Is he just going to leave you here to wait and wait and wait? Or is he going to come back? Do we hear that today? You say, Jesus is coming. Where is he? It's been 2,000, 2000 years. He's not coming. I'm going to live as I want. No regard to, to eternal things. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3 and 4 says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. And they will say, Where is, where is this coming? He promised. Where is he? When's he going to return? And then the tenth step is the, when the bridegroom returns. This usually happened late at night. Here in this case, it says at the midnight cry, at midnight the cry came out. They were all asleep. They didn't know he was coming. There was no big procession. There was no forewarning about him coming. There was no news article. There was no paper of the day that said, hey, he's coming tomorrow. He shows up right then and there. It says at the midnight, the cry rang out, Here the bride, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. He was standing at the door. He was already in town. He was already there. The shofar was, was sounding, signaling that the groom had, had come, that he had arrived, and, and the, the party came out, and uh, the, the wedding party came out, and the party began. Wow. And the bride would then go out and, and meet her groom. He would, the groom would take, her, take his bride and, and they would go back to uh, the 11th step, the home taking or the hoopah. The hoopah means covering. It was their, their shelter, their place of, of living. And they would go back to this place for a seven day period. Again, probably where we get our idea of the, the honeymoon. And that goes back to this during the hoopah time. Isaiah 26, verse 20 and 21. 
says, Go, my children, enter your rooms and shut the doors behind you. Hide yourself for a little while until His wrath has passed by. See, the Lord is coming out of His dwelling to punish the people of the earth for their sins. The earth will disclose the bloodshed of it, and the earth will conceal its slain no longer. You see, this would indicate that the bride, the church, would be hidden away while God's wrath is being poured out on the earth. In the Song of Songs, chapter, chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Let him lead me to the banquet, to the banquet hall, and let his banner or let his hoopah cover over his, let that covering be of love. Let that banner over me be love. And then brings about the marriage ceremony, the last step. In Revelation chapter 6, verses 9. Verses, chapter 19, verse 6 through 9. It says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing water, and like a loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad, and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this. Said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. You see, the virgin in this parable were to, were to wait on the groom regardless of how long it that wait lasted. As Christians, we've got to be faithful in our serving God until the end, until Jesus returns. We don't know how much longer it's going to be, but regardless, we have to be faithful to the end. Not giving up now, not giving up today, not going home today and, and being done with the church. God's Word says if we're faithful to the end, it shows our love for Him. You think about that. The ten virgins, they were all there at the wedding. They all had their lamps. They all had some oil, but they didn't bring any extra. But clearly they all had the opportunity to prepare and be ready for the bridegroom to, 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 to appear. It seems like that there was oil enough for, for them all if they chose to get it. But some chose not to bother. Again, oil is symbolic for the Holy Spirit here. And, and so five brought plenty of oil. They were the wise ones. They had prepared in advance. They were ready for, for the long haul. They were, they were ready to wait indefinitely. The other five didn't prepare. They didn't have enough. They didn't have the extra oil. They weren't prepared to go the long haul. I'm going to join this church. I'm going to go for God for, for a month, a year, a decade. Those were the foolish ones. They assumed they could borrow some oil or go back and get more. But they weren't ready. Folks, we can't wait for Christ to return in order to get ready. That decision has to be made now. It has to be made in advance. One of Satan's greatest tools that he has, one of, one of the greatest tools that he uses to say, you have time. He's not coming today. He's not coming tomorrow. Wait till the end of your life. He's not coming. It's been 2,000 years. He's not going to show up. And when we think that, and we don't live for Christ, Satan wins. And we spend eternity in hell. You see, our decision for Christ is a lifetime decision. Some serve the Lord for a short period of time and others prepare for a long term. But Matthew 25 verse 6 says, At midnight the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom. 
come out to meet him. It doesn't say, here I come. It doesn't say, I'm on the way. He doesn't say, get ready. He's going to say, I'm here. And we're all going to have to give an account. Are we ready or not? Because when the trumpet sounds, all the preparation time is gone. It's over. For those who are prepared and ready, they'll be invited into the banquet. Matthew 25, 10 through 13 says, While they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom came. The virgins who were ready went out with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. And he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. The Holy Spirit gives us what we need. He gives us what we need to keep our, our lamps full, to, to finish the race to the end and to remain faithful to the end. Folks, listen, the, the wedding bells are ringing. The wedding bells are ringing and, and Jesus is warning us and telling us to get ready, be ready for His return. Be ready because we don't know when the day or the hour of His return. And once He returns, that opportunity to get ready is over. And folks, the greatest words that we'll ever hear in all of eternity will be well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter in. But I would venture to say the worst thing and the scariest thing, the scariest words that we'll ever hear is Jesus saying, I don't know you. I don't know you. Let me ask you this morning, does the Lord know you? Do you know the Lord? And are you ready? That's the question that only you can answer in your heart. Are you ready? Today is the day of your salvation. If not, where is your walk with Christ? Is it waning? Is it where you'd like for it to be? Today is the day to bring it back. To be ready. Today is the day to say, Lord, I'm ready to finish strong. I'm going with you to the end. Are you ready? Will you answer that in your heart today and make it right with God before you leave? Let's pray together. Lord God, the song said, for those who know Him, who know Him well, will meet Him in the air. The question for us this morning, for each one of us to ask in our hearts this morning, do we know the Lord well? Do we have a real personal and deep and intimate relationship with the Lord? Revelation 22 says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of water of life come. Father, wherever we are in our walk with You, if we don't know You, You tell us to come. If we want to know You better, You tell us to come. That invitation, God, is open to everyone here. And that invitation is from you, God, not from me. And so, Father, I pray for every heart that hears my voice this morning, that they would come and make right with you whatever they need to in order that they will be ready to face you face to face. God, we open our hearts and we pour them out to you. 
And Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.